The next point I want to address is the opposite idea, the kingdom of God. Of course, this Greek dualism has prevented us from the right understanding of the kingdom of God. But it's very important if we all can reflect about what it is, how it works, what's the real meaning that we should have and use about the kingdom of God. I was just navigating in the internet and I found some interesting preachings about the kingdom of God lately that really amazed me. We use this phrase, the kingdom of God, but I don't know how, but in my life, I always said Jesus is king, but I, somehow I, that never meant anything relevant. What does it mean if Jesus is king? If we read the Bible, the basic message that the apostles had was that. Do you remember that guy that you crucified in that mountain? Now is the king, and to say he is the king while Caesar was the king was just something you know, powerful. They, they never apologized. They said, no, 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 I'm sorry. I mean, the spiritual king. They never said that. I mean, they really meant what they said. Jesus is king. So he was king on all political matters. He was king. And everyone should be subjected to his authority. Even Caesar. He is not allowed to do whatever he wants because Jesus is king. You cannot make that law about homosexuality because Jesus is king. And if we are his, his people, we should complain about that. But the church is in silence while, while the devil is doing everything because on the other hand, we think that, oh no, that's because this world belongs to the devil. How come we came with that kind of theology? And maybe it was because of the Greek mentality that Jesus is king of heaven and the devil is the king of the natural things. And because God is going to destroy these natural things, then don't worry about that. I remember when I was a kid and we were so happy in this new Christian faith. We, one of the things that I loved most was to go to a Christian library, which, by the way, were very few at that moment. And there was this book. It was called The End of the great planet Earth. And he wrote some two or three of those books. And those books were very impactful in our time. And it just fueled our dualism. And they said, you see, you know, you have to go to heaven. That, that, that's, that's it. And poor of you if you are here when those terrible things happen because God is going to destroy the earth. And I don't know how we came about this thing that God hated the earth, hated his creation, as if it were you know, something that does not belong to him. I have made some teachings about creation when we reflect a lot about how God made it and how God loves it and how God made creation made us to make us more human people. And how is it impossible to become the image barriers of, of God if we don't relate very well with uh, creation and many things like that. And it, it's an amazing, uh, an amazing understanding of creation. And, and I feel so sad because that's something that you won't find in a church easily. But we need to go back and to sit and to make a theological, but I guess more philosophical, view of what creation meant 
for God himself. Because one of the things that I loved, and I try to think more and more about this, is how God became part of his creation when he became a man. But not only that, once he becomes a man, he will never leave that condition. He will be the man forever. He loved his creation in such a way. But it, it takes time, it takes meditation to say, why did you do that? How? I mean, it's the strongest proof that he loves us, that he won't abandon us, that he will stay with us forever. And his plans are, uh, are great. They are great new. You know, Jesus is king, but he's one of us. And if he's a man, He's going to eat, he's going to sleep, he's going to work, he's going to be with us, he's going to walk with us, he will sit at the table with us. And his humanity is something that the Bible has been teaching all the time, but we have been trapped by this dualistic view of the Greeks, and all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if Jesus comes as a man, we don't see him. We don't see this message. We don't celebrate it. In Latin America, there is um, this division among believers that say that we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because Christmas is a worldly tradition that comes from the Romans and the trees, belongs to the Vikings, and all those sort of things. And they ask me, do you celebrate Christmas? And I do, yes, I do. I celebrate Christmas very much. <laughs> But I'm sorry, I don't care about the tree. I don't care about anything of, of all those things. I celebrate, I celebrate why Jesus came to this world every day. And I'm happy about that. And I am so joyful about that. And I can't understand it. It doesn't happen just one day. And you should do the same thing. You should think about that. Because that's our faith. That's the base of our faith. So because we don't understand the kingship of Jesus and how it is present in today is that we have come up with a strange kind of religion. I believe this is very well reflected in the opposition of the Greek mind versus the Jewish mind. The Jewish people, they were not ashamed of nature. They celebrated nature. They celebrated eating. They celebrated even drinking. They celebrated life. They never thought about life in other world. They always expected life here because life is enjoyable. And, and I like to read some verses when they say, my, my table is full, my cup is overflowing. My children, they are like trees that come inside. And they celebrate life so much. If you compare that with the idea of a monk who don't want to have a family, who don't want to eat, who think that being poor is nice, and <laughs> it's the complete opposite. And Christianity has lost that. And while the Jewish think that Jesus is king of the universe, the Greek thinks that, no, I've got saved to go to heaven. That's it. And those are such different messages. If you start with each one of them, you will create a different culture out of those ideas. Well, the Jewish view could say, Jesus has called me to extend his universal kingdom. The Greek mind probably would say, no, no, I'm just waiting for him to return. When he returns, he will be a king, not now. I've heard some people saying something like that. That's nonsense. 
And while the Jewish could say that the kingdom of Jesus is uh, against the doors of hell, fighting against evil, the dualist mind, evangelical mind could say, no, no, this world is doomed. There's no hope. Don't worry about that. Those things will be destroyed when the Lord comes. He will punish bad people and we just have to stay in church. Stay in church. I have read this, that phrase, stay in church. And I say, yeah, stay in church, but do something else. Go <laughs> take the church somewhere. You know, don't, don't, don't just stay in church because in time you will get bored. You will get paralyzed. And while the Jewish mentality could tell us that Jesus is the king and not only the king of heaven, he's the king of this nation, not the president, not Donald Trump, no Obama, no Jesus is king of the nation. He's the highest authority of this nation. Other people can say, no, the Bible says that this world has been given to the devil and that we should not take care about politics. We should not take care about laws. Those things that does not belong to the kingdom of God. And if we do that, we pay the consequences of that. But because I believe that countries like the United States or some others in Europe who were reformed country, they fought great fights to put laws and constitutions that may reflect God's will for a nation to prosper, to be just nations, to be able to fight oppression, to all the things we, we would like to do. But if we allow the devil to work them and we don't participate in politics and in law, we are going to lose the battle. That happens in Latin America. I remember when some believers wanted to take part of political parties or to form a political party. I remember that we all rejected that. Why do you want to do that? So much to do. Why don't you go as a missionary? Or why don't you plant more churches? Why do you want to get into politics? That was incredible strong mind and this dualism working on on our minds and lately when we were in Panama some months ago I heard the testimony of this pastor who all of a sudden found himself in the need to give an alert to all churches of the nation to get united to fight a law that it was going to destroy the life of their children with this gender and abortion issue. And then you say, that's the problem. If we get out uh, isolated from society, society will come to us. There's no way to stop that. But the Bible says that, that the good man planted uh, wheat, but the devil planted, what's the name of it? And um, they wanted to clean the place, but the Lord said, no, don't do it. Don't take anything out. Just leave it that way and at the end, in the harvest time, we will take everything and we will separate the good from the bad. And the bad things will be thrown to the fire. And I guess that is telling us that we are always going to fight against evil. That we cannot get rid of that. We cannot become neutral. That we have nothing else to do. Everything is fine. The moment we say that, we're wrong. We have to fight against evil all the time. There are many more things to say about the kingdom of God, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that we need to renew that theology. It is very important. And to me, it doesn't even stop there. 
Very honestly, because when I study Old Testament, especially with Genesis, I see that since the moment God created the universe, that was his kingdom. It's not only when Jesus dies and he's uh, risen and goes to heaven, but he was already king of his creation. And I say that there is no subatomic particle that does not obey his will. Can you believe that? So we are moving in him, as the Bible says. His, his power, his authority is everywhere. So we shouldn't be afraid of anything. So to understand his kingdom more than a separated thing, his kingdom is our reality. We, we cannot move away. I sometimes say to people, it is not that you are living reality and all of a sudden you find a powerful God and you invite him to help you to deal with reality. No, that's the wrong view. You have to understand that God is your reality. You have to move in him. There's n nothing else outside of him but until you renew your mind. And if you do that at home, at, at your work, and, and, and everywhere, you're going to see that he's moving powerful in history. That he's doing all the things he wants. And he's inviting you to be part of that. And it's not that you are just doing things.